Well, I don't know about you, but it feels like uh, sometimes when you hear information, you feel like your mind is blown. Well, this one was more like your heart is blown, right? Yeah. This was an incredible conversation with so much depth of wisdom and heart and story and really about the journey of appreciating our early childhood trauma, how that shows up in our life and just the different ways to interface with it and looking at the nervous system as, as Dr. Amy shares so brilliantly. Yeah, and I loved how she weaved in different stories so we can really understand it for ourselves and really pick up that mirror and look at our own nervous system and how it's been operating from day one so that we can start shifting it to really live that life of growth and abundance. Yeah, and she had a beautiful framework for helping people when they're rooted in their trauma. Maybe they're aware of it, maybe they're not, but really, encouraging the state or the space of safety which may look different for different people and then after you've developed that then you move into support and then expansion and so she talks a little bit about that journey that she walks people on and some of the the intricacies that one should look for uh, when when sort of unraveling some of the stuff from the past yeah so get some tea for this one and enjoy it it is a part one i believe out of many that i'm sure we'll get to do with dr amy so um enjoy Enjoy. Welcome to the Health Ignited Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Nick and Sonia Jensen. We are partners, parents, business partners, doctors, yoga teachers, and retreat leaders. We promise to bring you real conversations to awaken and ignite your potential to live your best life possible. Join us each week as we dive into topics varying from brain health, biohacking, hormones, and longevity, to relationships, parenting, meditation, and more. Together, creating community and building stronger foundations for the generations to come. Hello, hello, everybody. Hi, Dr. Sonia. Hi. Hi. We're here with another episode with uh, uh, one of our new favorite friends because she's doing some really cool stuff in the world, and we're so excited to talk to her. And her name is Dr. Amy. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about her before uh, before we get started. But what I do want to say is that you know, it's it's really often where we get a chance to really connect with people in different parts of the world that are doing such amazing things. And then there's in these episodes, we we learn more about ourselves as practitioners. We learn more about what other people are doing. But this is really an opportunity to anchor into some stuff that all of us have been feeling in a big, big way over the last couple of years. And and beyond that, because most of us maybe aren't really paying attention to it, and that's trauma. So mm-hmm. Dr. Amy is a double board certified medical physician boarded in both preventative and addiction medicine and holds double master's degrees in biochemistry and public health. And she is the leading medical expert on stored trauma in the body and addressing the biology of trauma. We're gonna get into all of that because that's super important. Um, So she specializes in trauma, attachment, addictions, and having personal experience in foster parenting, which is also an an absolute, you know, challenge and beauty and tragedy and, and I imagine in so many different ways uh, and so you bring such a breadth of experience into this conversation of trauma uh, that we're so excited there's so much more there but she's also a functional medicine uh, doc and she's doing some crazy good things in the world like uh, putting out summits and there's a new one coming up and it's all on uh, a trauma and addiction and and so much more and beyond as she says so uh, Dr. Amy thank you so much for being here with us today. Uh, thank you so much. It may, you make it sound like I've been in school forever. And then I look back, I'm like, I have been in school forever. <laughs> right? Yeah. Speaking of trauma, there you go. Like that's. I just loved um, seeing Amy's response to um, you introducing her and just the excitement of, you know, you know, when someone is really passionate about what they teach and they're really living it and experienced it themselves. So they're coming from a place that's really from the heart, like her face was just glowing for those of you that aren't watching and just listening. And mm-hmm. so it's really exciting to have you here. And you're just doing such great work that I think all of us need to um, put more light onto so that people don't feel alone. And I do think that is the biggest challenge when someone has faced trauma or is facing trauma. And just to have that experience of like, you're not alone. And there are people like you out there that really do understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for being here. Yeah. Yeah. It can make people feel very alone and very confused. That's the other word that I hear a lot Mm -hmm. and not even knowing where to turn, what to do. There's so many different ideas on what you can do. Do you meditate? Do you go see a therapist? Do you 
do yoga. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then there's even those people who are experiencing or have experienced trauma and don't even recognize it as a trauma. And so they're having so many either health symptoms and, and health, meaning physical health, emotional, mental health, all of that. And they don't seem to even have a reason why. And so even having this conversation around, let's talk about trauma because we got to redefine it so that we even know when we have experienced it and what that looks like. Yeah. Just really normalizing, normalizing it. Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. So Amy, you got such incredible experience in all these different areas that you've both lived experience, but also studied and trained and you're training others to, to do this work in the world too, which is amazing. Um, can you bring us all up to speed and just a little bit of your story because it's so eclectic, it's so diverse. There's so many pieces that that brought you into this moment that we're in right now. And so help us put some of those pieces together to understand your story more. And just for the record, when I do pass on and die on my tombstone, I want it written that she was a collector of life experiences <laughs> <laughs> because beautiful. you want, you are right. Like this is this eclectic, uh, variety of life experiences. And I think it's really, it's, it's been part of my journey so much that it's, it's shaped and formed in, to the large degree, what I do now and why I do it now, because it's one thing to go to school and have intellectual knowledge, understand something from a a textbook or even research articles, but then to actually live something and have to throw half of that out, (laughs) not know how the rest of the even fits in like that for me is really where I got really practical. And it's like, all right, understand all of this theory, but what does this actually look like? And, uh, Miguel was put in my home when he was four years old and he had had a very traumatic early childhood background and don't need to go into all of his story, but just, it was, it had been very unstable, um, and very unsafe and very traumatic with, with some varying different types of abuse. And so, but I thought that I was getting him at such an age that, um, he would be fine, right? Like he would, he would forget it because what do we say? Like, Oh, kids are resilient. And we don't realize, no, like their bodies are just absorbing all of these life experiences. It hasn't presented in disease yet because that comes decades later. So no, they're not, they're not resilient. They're actually absorbing all of their life experiences, uh, for good and for bad. Right. So, so that also means that there's a lot that we can do in inserting uh, good environmental influences that actually change the epigenetic expression of our DNA. And, but, but having him come into my life, my home, my heart and realizing I actually have no idea how to really help him because everything that I think I know how to do is not seeming to work at all. And watching him grow and get worse in his emotional and behavioral issues And I'm like this, we got it. We got to turn this around because I could easily see him in jail. And, and he was four by five. He was trying to kill me, telling me that he wanted to kill me and trying to kill me. And so I didn't feel like I had, I I didn't feel like I I could put that on the back burner, right? Like we've got a problem here at Houston. We've got a problem and I'm, I'm committed to figuring this out and finding him the help that he needs. And it took years because I didn't know what I know now going into that situation. But as you say, like, these are the the experiences that really help shape my why. Right. And so my, my why um, it's, it's um, to, to look into someone's eyes and to actually be able to see their pain. Um, you, you can't, you can't just go on with your life, right? Like seeing that pain. And I, and I love him for being able to show me that pain and not just keep keeping the mask on always, but letting me have glimpses of it at times where behind the anger, behind the behaviors, there was such deep pain. And that's the same pain that I see in other people's eyes, right? Like I'm thinking of patients or clients or colleagues and friends, and you have those conversations with them when they're in that moment where they do feel safe to let their guard down a bit and let the facade go down behind the smile. And you see the pain through their eyes, 
but it's, it's inside. And, and that's what motivates you to, all right, like there's gotta be something better because otherwise we're still just surviving. We're not actually living and thriving and getting above this. We're really still just treading water. And sometimes not even that we feel like we're drowning. (laughs) So, so we have not had many solutions in medicine. We have not actually had many solutions in mental health either. They've been mostly temporary band-aids and it works for a time It works for, I feel better for the rest of the day after I go see my therapist but tomorrow, you know, I'm, I'm still struggling with the same things. And years later, I'm still having the same patterns in my relationships. Isn't there something better? Right. And so that was the question that I kept coming back to was, isn't there something better that we can actually address the biology so that it shifts for good. And it's not something that we continually have to exert so much effort in our life to, um, to be, to be functioning, uh, let alone thriving. That was beautiful. Yeah, you said so many important things in there. And I think the big one or the takeaway that I received from that, um, and we see that with children too, is they just want to be seen. And even for adults that have had trauma in the past, often they're not validated in what they're experiencing because someone on the outside cannot experience exactly what they have. But we can have that compassion and that empathy because we all are holding our own stories. And if we just sit with the other and recognize the other within us, I think it really just opens up this um, or unveils the illusion that all of us are living in, like you were speaking to with the masks that we wear or the roles that we take on. It just gives this opening to that individual to kind of sink into what's happened so they can move through it and not like you were saying with like the model that we have in the medical system, it's a lot of it's distraction or it's um, covering things up instead of really moving through what's happened and connecting those dots Right. So you're connecting dots for people of like how their trauma has really impacted their physiology. And that's what we love to speak to as well, because it really does. It holds the key to everything. So how do you take someone through that process of uncovering that, you know, this story that you're holding on to is really dictating or has been imprinted into your body? And how are we going to uncover that? So you start to kind of see that there is a different way. Mm-hmm. Great question, Dr. Sonia. So where do I start? <laughs> well, <laughs> um, the, this is, this is something that has been in the development for years. So this is not something that I have always known how to do. And what I understand now is how important it is to have an essential sequence to what we do. There's a sequence in how this stuff gets stored into our bodies and on a cellular level And there's a certain sequence that we have to honor for reverse engineering that if you want to call it that and taking it out because I did it in the wrong order. At least I tried to do it in the wrong order and that did not go well until I figured out, oh, I'm missing this piece or I'm doing the right things just in the wrong order. And so the first, the first step that I have found is necessary is really stabilizing the nervous system. Mm. And there's just, there's so much to impact just with that. So I'll just kind of give you a brief overview of what, what that means when I say we got to stabilize the nervous system. So much of what happens when we experience something and actually the definition of a trauma is that it overwhelmed our system at that time with the resources that we had, with the energy that we had, with the wisdom, life experiences that we had going into that, all of that, all of that plays into did that overwhelm your system at the time? Or was it just a stress? Anything that overwhelms the system, that is a trauma and leads to lasting changes in the biology. And so when we look at how, how do we even start then to undo this, we have to stabilize the system in such a way that when we, when we start working on it, we are not re-traumatizing and overwhelming the system over and over and over again. And that's often what happens in our current model for trauma work. And I would see this as, you know, I actually started as a general surgery resident. And so completely separate from doing trauma work, right? Actually, no, (laughs) right? Like, because people are people. And what I found is like this human body stores trauma 
And so it does not matter whether you're actually in a medical clinic or if you're out on the street in the mall, right? Like all of us are affected in the same way. And so here I am and I'm seeing um, patients who have these the diseases and they have these symptoms. And where do you even start? We have to start with the uh, addressing the overwhelm because if we try to uh, go into the story first, it will often cause a flare up of their physical health symptoms. I'm sure you've seen this in your work where again, like people feel like, Oh, I've got to do this personal development work, right? It comes under a whole lot of, of names. And so they go into these places, they do some inner child work. Let's do some inner child work this weekend. And then the whole next week they're in this energy crash <laughs> or they've got a flare up of their autoimmune sy symptoms or their digestive system is way off. And it's like, wait a second, what just happened? Well, it, it overwhelmed the system. Like it was not in the right order and it was not done in such a way, honoring how to address this in such a way that is going to be helpful to the system and not just overwhelm it. Mm -hmm. And so before we even go into the story, before we go into these places that our minds and our bodies have shut off in order to protect us from that, we need to stabilize the system so that it's ready for that. So that when we do open that, it has the capacity to handle that stress now and not just be overwhelmed again and go back into the, the overwhelm pattern that it initially established. So I start with stabilizing the system and I use a lot of body type of work. I work a lot directly with the nervous system. There are many things that I can do also to stabilize the, the physiology. So on the cellular level, stabilizing the nervous system that is very personalized based on a person's labs and traits, but some general ones are things like zinc and even some of the mitochondrial support. These are things that allow the nervous system to be more resilient on a cellular level, which then means more resilient for being able to handle emotional stress and it not collapse and overwhelm the system again. So where do I start? I start with actually building resilience and increasing the capacity of the nervous system for being able to handle stress so that then, then the next step, not the first step, the next step is all right. And let's go a little bit into the story. Let's go a little bit into this. And now our system has the capacity to look at that and not get re-overwhelmed and back into old patterns in our physical health, as well as our emotional health. That's beautiful. I mean, that's, that's really a holistic approach. I mean, that's, it's looking at all these different pieces that interfere with someone's ability to, to recover or to heal. I mean, you're looking at the whole person right down that cellular level, which is beautiful. Um, I'm so curious. I mean, you had such a, a profound lived experience adopting and you saw these situations. And, and as you're speaking, I mean, my, my heart was just melting hearing you speak to it. And it's, you have a, you have a depth to you that you can really sit with someone clearly because you, you took us all there to that space without having to go into the story in a, in a, in a really detailed way, which is, it just shows your strength of you as a physician and your ability to really connect with people. And so I'm so grateful that you're, you're taking us all into that experience in a really profound way, knowing what you know now, like, knowing that you the step one is really create a safe space and, and no doubt you're doing all of that when you you know you, you said you didn't have all the tools but clearly you had something where you created a safe space for him maybe knowing what you know now what what or maybe some things that you could have done differently or how would you have approached the situation because it's a little different for a four-year-old versus like an adult so i'd love to just pick your brain on those thoughts yeah. And I'm happy for you to pick my brain. And I'm sure that I will say things that will surprise you because it's actually not different. A four-year-old, a 38-year-old. <laughs> <doesn't matter. laughs> I guess you're working on inner childs all over the place. So. Right. We've got inner right. childs running around the whole place. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what I always say too. We really are just um, little kids in adult bodies. Until we do our trauma work yeah. and, right. then, and then that, that connection is made. Right. Um, not, not to say that we lose our inner child, but that our adult self is able to take care of our inner child. 
<laughs> so that there's not this gap. Um, Nick, I did so many things wrong. I did so many things wrong. Um, good intentions, good heart. And yet without the knowledge, I did so many things wrong. And I really set him back in what could have been his healing process because of that. And the very first thing that I did wrong was I did not create a safe container for him. I did not know how to do that at the time. I thought I knew how, and I did what I thought was going to create a safe relationship for him. And it actually was not. So what, what I did and, and, uh, I mean, here you go, you, you asked me, so I will, <laughs> I will share this with let's you. Let's dive in. Let's dive in. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, it's very contrary to what most people think is trauma informed. And so for many people, this is really going to break the, the, the paradigm that they have seen of what is trauma and what trauma needs. So, and maybe, maybe I'll start with telling, with telling a story and that, and that will maybe ease into it. And, and I will feel safer, uh, that there'll be less judgment if I just come out with the, with the final, you know, like. <laughs> Uh, you know, this is the principle. And it's like, let, let me lead you there with a story. Sounds good. Nick, if you were in Chicago, the bad, the bad part, of Los Angeles, whatever, whatever city, right? Whatever city, or maybe we'll put you in, you know, a, a foreign country <clears throat> and we're going to put you in the bad part of town and in a dark alley at night. But you have to get through there because your friend lives on the other side of town and he's sick and he needs some soup, whatever. But you've got to walk through this dark alley and you have the option, Nick, of having one person walk through that alley with you. You've got your grandmother who loves you so much. She would, she would die for you, right? Like, and you are with her and you feel her, her warmth and she just gives you the best cuddly hugs. You like your grandmother, right? Like that's, that's one choice. Or you can have the top policeman in that city. Who would you choose to walk <laughs> through that dark alley with you? Well, I'd have to go with the police officer. You would. Yeah. Okay. Why? Um, I mean, part of me wants to to bring my grandma, but well, of uh, course, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that, that surprised me. Really? Yeah, I would have chosen the gra grandma. Well, the, okay, here, here's no, here. No, go, let me go, let me no, go go with it. Nick. Go with go it. With let it. let me it. share my thought process. Yeah, so share I, your I was imagining process. I was imagining bring my grandma, and I was thinking yeah. she's so vulnerable. Yes, exactly. Why would why would anybody attack us? Okay. Right. And okay. so <laughs> I would be protecting her. I'd feel her safety. Yeah. Uh, she's yeah. vulnerable. I feel yeah. like I'm in a safe place. We're in a little bubble and everything's good. And then, and then I was imagining, okay, well, what if a gang came, you know, what's, what's grandma going to do? When gonna gonna gang? do? <laughs> what am I going to do? Am I putting her in danger? So I'm thinking if right. I'm putting her in danger, I don't want to take her into a dangerous yeah. place. Exactly. So that's when I went to the, okay, police officer. I don't want to put my, my granny in danger. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. Anyways, it's not about yeah. me. Let's get back to your story. <laughs> Say you are a four-year-old child now and you're looking at your parent or your guardian, your caretaker, and you're seeing that, that they are emotionally vulnerable, that when you express certain emotions, they tend to fall apart and not know what to do. Are you going to continue to show those emotions to them? No, no, but you're the child. And now all of a sudden you have stepped into feeling like you need to take care of them because they seem to be vulnerable and not able to handle certain things or get stressed easily. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like the roles have been reversed. Like you're now trying to take care of your grandma because she's the vulnerable one. And, and what are you going to do when a gang comes? Right. Whereas when, when you're with a police officer and even just mentioning that, right? Like I can feel that shift in my body. Like my shoulders come down. It's like, oh, I don't need to take care of them. Mm -hmm. They get to take care of me. And that's why I feel safe because they're bigger than me. They're stronger than me. They're going to be able to take, they can handle anything. If the shooting starts, I just get to duck my head. Like I, I don't have to do anything. They've got it. That is what creates a felt sense of safety. 
It's actually having someone come in and, and take the leadership, not in a abusive way, but in a powerful way that says, I've got you. I've, I've got myself, I've got you and I've got kid. I've got whatever you can throw at me. There is nothing that you can do to me or show me that would scare me away and make me lose my own sense of self and groundedness. That is what creates a felt sense of safety. So what I did not knowing this, because of course, what do I think at that time in my life? Oh, what they need is love, right? Like that's how he's going to feel safe is by knowing that I love him. And how do I, how do I get a kid to love me? Well, I get, I get down on their level and I play with them, right? Like you can hear that this is what we've been taught. And so that's exactly what I did. I bought all of these gifts. I had everything ready for him. And as soon as he came into the house, I was down on his level. I was on the floor. I was playing with him. And now understanding the perspective of him and what he's been through in his life, he's making these immediate judgment calls of, does this adult have their stuff together? Are they someone I can trust? Or do I have to not only take care of myself, but also kind of take care of them because they seem to, to need this. They seem to want that. And so I put him in a position where he could not trust me because He's looking at me like, she's coming down to my level. Oh goodness. Here's just another adult that doesn't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And so, and so again, right? Like this totally changes our paradigm of how to even work with kids who have been traumatized because that's what we have been taught. And that's just simply not according to the principles of neuroscience and what our nervous system interprets as safety. And when we're working with anybody, because now we're going to be able to say, all right, it's not just kids. It's also the 38 year old, the 72 year old. It doesn't matter who it is. It does not matter who it is because the nervous system is the nervous system. And it needs to have a felt sense of safety with that person before there can be trust, before there can be any love, that mm -hmm. safety. And it's a felt sense of safety in the body. It's not a, it's not the decision of the mind. It's a felt sense of safety with that person that even opens the door for trust and love. And the felt sense of safety comes with, do they have their stuff together or do I have to take care of them? And I have to be not only taking care of myself, but also kind of accommodating them for what they seem to need in their, their vulnerabilities. Did that make any sense? That was does. brilliant. Yeah. So, so I, I have some questions around it. So Good. is it <laughs> just because I had a different perspective on like who I would choose? And so do you find it's in, independent or individ, individualized depending on what the trauma has been? So as soon as you said police officer, I don't have a lot of trust in authority and mm. especially male authority. And so for me, the grandmother is going to step up because I've always had to be my own warrior so I know I would step up and lift up a car or do whatever I had to do, do my Kung Fu, whatever I needed to protect my grandchild. So I'm one of that mother archetype to step into her like power and power me through that alley instead of relying on this other source. So I wonder if like that would shift how, you know, if it's a parent trying to deal with their child or even if it's a, a practitioner trying to deal with uh, male or female or different dynamics, like if that would change how you would step up into a role of trying to create that connection and trust. So kind of like a, a different definition of safety, depending on yeah. the individual. Is I'm just curious about that, if you see that, or is it usually it's just that leadership is really needed? I guess you're still getting leadership from that grandmother role too, just in a different way. Yeah. And, and this would probably be when I hear you talking, I'm, I'm thinking more in terms of Maybe for you, I would have chosen more of like a, a warrior goddess rather than a policeman, yes, right? Because <laughs> if I've if I given you the choice of you know, warrior goddess, you don't, you don't know who she is, yeah. right? Like she's still a stranger, warrior goddess yeah. versus grandma who That's knows right. you and loves you yeah. in that moment in time, you're going to still pick the warrior goddess because right. you can relax in their leadership and their strength, rather mm -hmm. than if a guy, if a game comes along, I'm sorry, Dr. Sonia, but you and your grandma are not going to make it Yeah, right. You're not. Mm -hmm. Um, and your body knows that mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And so it's not that you don't love your grandma. You do. And that doesn't change the fact that it does not have anything to do with not loving your grandma, mm-hmm. but it's that moment of when you are needing to do something that is scary, when you're needing to do some emotional work, when you're needing to do anything that is scary, what does the nervous system need? It needs mm-hmm. someone stronger who's experienced, who can take the the leadership, not again, not in an abusive way, but in a gentle, powerful strength leadership way to guide you through that process. That's what allows you to trust them to take you through that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, why you. were you curious of why I would bring my, why I wouldn't bring my grandma? Oh, <laughs> you seem so shocked. Oh, really? That's, that's that? fascinating. <laughs> I think some of her trauma around like the, it was, the policeman. I don't think she heard anything else that I said after I said I policeman. <laughs> She's like, oh no, not the policeman. What? Why would you <laughs> choose the policeman? <laughs> don't you know what the policeman would do? <laughs> yeah, turn on you. <laughs> uh, what a beautiful reframe though. I mean, you know, when we give ourselves the space to actually reflect on these things, you, you really, it's like, there's, there's like, just like there's different tools in your tool belt. You're not going to use the hammer when you have to screw in a screw, you know? So I really, really love that what you're teaching here, because I think if you come from this perspe- perspective or background of like wanting to create the most beautiful, loving space for your kids, like that we aim to do. And it's interesting too, because there's a different dynamic between how Sonia parents and how I do, I'm ready to drop the hammer you know, when I need to, and I want to stand in my authority and make sure that they recognize that there's a line that you don't cross. And, and then, and then Sonia definitely does, does a different, has a different style than me. And, you know, when you're bringing someone new in at four years old, there's so much that's already been programmed into their, into their mind. So yeah, maybe help people appreciate that a little bit more. And then like, that's happening for us, you know, big people walking around, still Mm -hmm. like in these dark, you know, quote unquote alleys that we walk through in life. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's, let's dive into that part now. And honestly, Nick, like this is where we get to have this broader conversation around trauma because we really get to just talk about the nervous system and these patterns that are in the nervous system. And we get to even forget that we're talking about trauma because it's, it's no longer, that's not the focus. The focus is what has been wired into your nervous system. And especially around parenting, this is an area in which it becomes very obvious what patterns a person has in their nervous system. It just is, is right on the surface. (laughs) We don't have to look very far, right? (laughs) And other times in life and other situations, we're able to, to hide it. We're able to accommodate it. We're able to show up in different ways at different times, depending on, on, on how we want to be. But when it comes to parenting, Whoa, like our, whatever is our nervous system is what shows up. And so then we get to talk a little bit around attachment styles and how that is a frame of reference for understanding what is wired in our nervous system. And that's what we pass on at, from parents to our kids. Cause that's, that's the, we pass on our nervous system. So whatever is in our nervous system is what's getting passed on. There's no, well, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to pass that on. I'll just pass this, this piece on. Just the good stuff. Like, yeah. You don't have that choice as a parent. Everything about your nervous system is what gets passed on, whether or not it's actually verbally communicated. That is not how it's passed on. It is passed on in uh, not only your dynamics and every interaction or lack of interaction that you have with your child, but even down to how long of an eye contact do you maintain with your child? How high does your eyebrow lift or your facial expressions? These are things that we cannot consciously control. And so, uh, and if a person tried to like, they would go crazy, right? And and parents are already blamed for being crazy. So it's, it's more in terms of just understanding the complexity of how our nervous system is passed on to our child and stressing the importance then of parents being able to do their own work because that will have such a powerful impact on their kid. That is honestly one of the best things that they could do for their child is to do their own work and, and really help their nervous system be at the level and the state that they want to pass on to their child. 
And these are things that also really show up in any kind of romantic relationship, right? Because talk about needing and expecting a felt sense of safety and trust and love. And how does your nervous system, how does your nervous system experience that? And how does your nervous system assess that? And one of the sad realities of our life is that for many people who grew up in family dynamics, where there maybe was not a lot of communication around nurture and I love you, not the words, but the actual, you know, un, un, unexpressed, but felt experiences. And if that's what they are used to, they're used to not getting enough. They're used to always feeling the lack of and, and wanting it and desiring it and not having it when they go into a romantic relationship, if they were to have it, they actually end up not knowing what to do with that. And it feels so unfamiliar that they don't know what to do with it. And they reject it and go for someone who will give them what they are used to just because that is familiar. And there's an element of the a nervous system feels safer with what is familiar. Even if it's not healthy, it's familiar. The nervous system loves predictability. It loves stability. It loves rhythm. It loves familiar. And so even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's awful, even, even if, even if it's abusive, if it's familiar, it does provide a degree of felt sense of safety for the nervous system. And a person will choose those things that are familiar. I mean, it just is fascinating how deep these, you know, wires that get into our nervous system go and how they present themselves in absolutely every single area of our life. I know that as a medical physician, right? Like I'm usually focused on the biology. And yet when I see these things, um, you know, when, when my patients are coming in and they're, you know, just talking to me about their life and I'm hearing stories and I'm, and it informs me so much of actually what the patterns are in their nervous system that sure enough, I see in their labs and I see in their physical health symptoms. And I'm not surprised when they're showing up with these diseases and they thought they were just telling me about, you know, this, you know, whatever story and complaining about this and complaining about that. And it's like, no, that like, this is actually it just, it, it just tells me so much of, again, yes, pain, but uh, how their nervous system is wired and how that's going to present them in their physical health as well. You must have such a long waiting list to your practice because <laughs> you, you, your ability to connect to people in, in what's really going on and be able to put all these pieces together is, is so brilliant. I, I love how you like, it's almost like we are wired for certainty and that's like built into our sense of safety. Mm -hmm. And it's just like this vibratory match where we, where we just, okay, well, that's familiar. So it's interesting. You speak to that because Sonia actually, you know, had this more interesting environment where she grew up where like, there wasn't a lot of outward affection. It was very different than ours. And so the fact that we found each other and she found a, a way to feel safe with this different version of expression, mm -hmm. um, and it's been sort of a challenge sometimes because I'm used to that. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm not choking up because I'm getting emotional. I just had a frog in my throat. It's okay if you are. Yeah. yeah. But it, it's, it's been one of the- I love how that was important for you to clarify that. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> sometimes I just let it out. But... I'm calling you out, <laughs> yeah. Nick. I'm going to Exactly. Call you out. <laughs> I appreciate that. You're listening. I, I see you. Um, but it's it's beautiful because it's it's allowed us to constantly evolve in our relationship as opposed to like, well, that's who you are. This is who I am. And so we're just going to stay. So, so the question is- there's is there room for change in there so once we appreciate that there's this vibratory match where we feel that sense of safety because it's familiar not because it's the best outcome what what where can we graduate to uh the sky is the limit <laughs> amazing like, yeah like how far do you want to go right because as soon as you say all right i want to be able to do that i want to be able to um have my autoimmunity reversed i want to be able to um you know, have the energy to go out and do my bike rides and do my hikes or whatever it is for you, or maybe it's relationships. I want to be in a healthy, stable relationship, whatever that specifically looks like for you. And then you get there and you realize, oh, but there's more like there's, there's just, there's just so much more. There's another level to health that I just never even knew was possible before. 
And so, you know, I talk about it being a journey because as soon as you reach your destination, you realize, oh, that wasn't the end of the journey. Mm. <laughs> and, and so it's a, it's a beautiful process of what I call becoming your true best self mm-hmm. and being in your best health. And you're always in that process of becoming if you're doing the work. And certainly a person can choose to not do the work. And I respect that. Uh, some, you know, I, I totally respect that there, there is no obligation and I love you just the same. You can, you can choose what you want for your life. Um, so it does, it does require this ability to lean in and be willing to continue getting curious about our patterns, uh, and whether those are our health patterns and different symptoms we have, or, our relationship patterns or the patterns that we have for ourselves, and some of the thoughts that we have towards ourselves, and the self-criticism and the perfectionism and the people pleasing or the need for order. Like there's just so much. It's like, well, what would you like to lean into next? <laughs> right. Cause mm-hmm. there's some work that we things. can do there. <laughs> and, and really um, just that curiosity is what allows us to do that. But again, Um, the principles of the nervous system are that it is impossible for someone to be curious and stressed or in survival mode at the same time. Mm. I talk about there being three states of the nervous system and the curiosity state is when you are in full parasympathetic mode, that is when you can be curious. And if you are in sympathetic mode, and stressed, or if you are in the freeze mode or that dorsal vagal response, there is no room for curiosity. And I don't care how much you try. It's it's just biologically impossible. And so that felt sense of safety has to be a step to even be able to be curious about this other stuff. So I kind of come back to So the first step in everything is stabilize that system, stabilize the nervous system so that we can get in and stay in parasympathetic more than we've been able to do before in our life. It's not always perfect. Doesn't need to be perfect, but it's just that process of becoming more and more like this. And then that, that allows for curiosity, which allows for continued growth. Mm -hmm. Um, So every year we choose a word and or a question or a theme that we want to either work on or step more into. And in 2021, I chose curiosity. And a big part of that was just because of the trauma that the world was feeling at that time and all of the unknown we had to lean into and, and become really intimate with really for not only our own family unit, but our communities and for the world itself. And, um, I find when you do step into that space of the unknown, having these tools that you're speaking to and just understanding like how, um, how we can really reach into our physiology, our biology, our environment and all these things, we can utilize so many tools to help support us and get us into an anchor space so that we can step into the unknown and still have this like familiarity over here to kind of step back into, but just kind of dip our toes over here. And then slowly, as we start to do that, we start inviting more of that into our lives and how like, it's just related to everything. It's related to our food choices. It's related to our habits that we have every single day, how we're waking up and how we're going to sleep. And so it's at at like that micro level and also at that macro level. And all of it's um, connected, like the the micro moments and the big T traumas and all of them really do, do go down to that space of the nervous system. And if we can get intimate with that, I think we can con- maybe conquer is not the right word, but we can really move through so much. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a word, there's a word for what you're describing. It's called titration. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the exercises that I teach in my, in my 21 day journey into your nervous system course. And so titration is a very key principle where you're just going to dip your toe in and then pull back, back into that felt sense of safety and manageability, right? Mm-hmm. And then we're going to open it a little bit more. Oh, that's starting to feel overwhelming. Okay. Then we're going to back out rather than what, what still is, is the model for many people of we're just jumping in. It's like, oh my goodness. Good luck with that. I, I'm just, I'm staying back here. Right. Like, <laughs> I'm over here. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I've done that before. Right. Like I've, I've jumped off the, the cliffs of emotional work and thinking that this is a good thing. Right. 
and doing the intensity. And actually in one of my interviews with Dr. Peter Levine, we talked about how people can become addicted to emotional releases and they're, they need to do these big, intense work in order to get that sense of relief and that dopamine hit. And they literally are addicted to emotional releases. And that's not, that's not part of the healing journey. That's actually what is, is partly keeping them stuck. And, and so when we can, uh, and also what you're talking about is when we do this work and being able to just dip our toe in and then come back to a felt sense of safety, what you're coming back to is yourself. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to use the policeman because we've already seen how traumatizing that is for you. Uh, so um, <laughs> Dr. Sonia, like you are becoming your own warrior goddess mm-hmm. so that you are now being able to provide for yourself that felt sense of safety so that you can go into scary places and know and feel on a body level that you're going to be okay, that you're safe because I've, I've got my warrior goddess with me and she's actually myself. Right. And, and not to say that there isn't room for healing in relationships, because of course there is, but, but even establishing that ability for you to provide that level of safety for yourself allows you to engage in relationship so much better with someone else when you're not putting that expectation on them to provide that level of safety for you. Cause they may not be able to do that, right? Like the, whatever they, they may be triggered in a moment and then they're off in their own space. And you're like floundering. Cause you're like, no, I needed you to provide me safety. And they're like, I can't, like, I've got my own stuff that just came up. And so it's just this, this, uh, almost inviting trouble in a relationship when we have not been able to create our own inner warrior goddesses or policemen for Nick, uh, who keep us who keep us safe, who give us that felt sense of, I can do scary things and I'm, and I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just finished a six week journey with a group of women for women unleashed. And the one thing I got them to do in the beginning was create that archetype. And then that archetype is what we would carry throughout that journey. And I found that was such a profound exercise for all of us as we were stepping into the alley to have that um, ally with us and then slowly I could see the women transforming into that archetype that they had created for themselves so I think that's a beautiful exercise for everyone that's listening to do too just to like have that archetype that they know that they can lean into when it's needed what was your archetype well exactly what she was describing okay, of course. it was like of course she- it was. she-ra a mix of she-ra and wonder woman <laughs> and and yeah <laughs> well, as you as you're speaking yeah as you're speaking uh you know, there's, there's this um, component of time that's really interesting, you know, where, where it creates sort of the scaffolding. So we slowly start to put pieces together where we understand things. And I think that we run a bit of a risk and when we try to dive too deep in the story ahead of maybe a pacing of what our nervous system is ready for. And then we start to make meaning of something without like the scaffolding and this inner work and all that. Can you speak to that a little bit? Because like, even just talking about hierarchy, putting the nervous system in its acutely, very specific, very immediate in its ability to meet someone in a moment, right down to the hormonal system. And then the more chronic states, like you're speaking to something like that's in the moment, but there's this scaffolding and time and this beauty of patience. I think that's really important for people to appreciate. Can you, can you add some, some depth to that? Yeah. You know, and I recently read this phenomenal book by a Dr. Sonia. I don't know if you know her and in her book, (laughs) in her book, (laughs) she uh, talks about a study that was done um, with Bessel van der Kock, where they looked at brain imaging while people were exposed to their story, basically. And they saw that, wait a second, like they are still having the same sympathetic response to their story years later. So there's something about just going into the story without having this scaffolding that you're talking about that does re-traumatize us. It puts us back in that event as if we were there in the moment. You should read the book. It's really good. Um, <laughs> I'm getting schooled right now. Sonia's heart is like massive right now too. This is amazing. So what we need to do exactly what you're talking about is we need to give people the tools to not have that type of response when we go into this story. And the way that I do that is through somatic work. And so 
what I do is I have people do somatic work long before we even talk about any story. Mm. They come to yeah. me and they've got their story. They've got their whatever, right? Like they're, they're ready to dump all of this on me. Right. And thinking that that's, what's important. It's important for you to know my story. Actually, I can read your whole entire story in your nervous system. And that's what we're going to work with. And so wherever your nervous system is at right now, today, that's what we work with because that's, what's ready to be worked with. Mm. We don't need to go digging for stuff. (laughs) It's right there on the surface, honey. So let's work with this and what's showing up right now. Um, And this is a lot of the work of um, kind of connecting with different sensations in our body. There can be lots of knots in the stomach, or there can even be a knife. It feels like there's a knife in my stomach. Okay. Let's work with that body sensation. Don't you need to know the story? No, we've got, we've got a knife in your stomach right now. Let's work with that. We've got a knot in your stomach. We've got tension in your shoulders. You feel like you've been carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. Okay. Let's work with that sensation. You've got a a terrible headache. Let's work with those body sensations. And in that process, Nick, what happens is that they become so attuned with their body that then, then when we go into, okay, now let's, now let's talk about what happened. And as soon as we go there, they're able to try titrate Mm -hmm. and be able to know, okay, that's, that's as much as the story as my body can handle and not fall off of that emotional cliff. I need to pull myself back. I need to do my, do my somatic exercises again. And, and there's, there's somatic exercises for safety. Uh, there's somatic exercises for support. And then there's somatic exercises for expansion and growth. The, the nervous system can do all three of those. So it's, what do you need in the moment? And we start obviously with safety. So, and I walk people through this journey in my 21 day program. And so the whole first week are all the somatic exercises for building safety so that no matter what happens, you have tools that in two minutes, you can shift your nervous system back to a felt sense of safety. And yes, at first you're going to need to do these a lot, right? Cause you're going to do it and then you're going to lose it. You're like, Oh shoot, I'm stressed again. And I'm anxious and I got to do this again. But then the more that you practice this, this is becoming what is wired in your nervous system. And, and it's becoming more of, of just who like your baseline state of your nervous system. And then we bring in support. Support is really important. And this really touches into a lot of the neuroaffective touch trainings that I've done, where we're actually being able to apply touch and pressure at specific points in the body that are key to attachment and early development. And did you get that sense of support? Did you get that sense of nurture? Did you get that sense of I'm holding your hand? We're going to be okay. Or did you, did you not, did you feel alone? Did you, were you left to cry it out alone? Okay. Well, we've got to provide intentional support for your nervous system to now have a different experience. And when we create a different felt experience for the nervous system, that's what allows it to rewire. And so then we can intentionally provide these different experiences for the nervous system around support. And what would it be like? What would it be like to go through your day actually feeling like someone had your back, Mm. like feeling supported, feeling like you were safe, like you were in, in your bubble of safety and you could, I mean, what would you do with that? Right? Like it would just allow you to be that much more creative because someone's got your back you can actually create those felt experiences for your nervous system through these different somatic exercises that are um, designed to do that. And then we can go into expansion and growth. It's like, all right, now that we've got safety, now that we've got support, what's left is growth. And we've got the exercises for that. And it's been so fascinating to see um, when we have tried to jump to these exercises first and be like, okay, let's talk about, you know, growing, especially look for, for those people who are like business owners and entrepreneurs and they come in and they, they just want the growth, right? Like they, they don't want the other stuff. I don't have time to waste here. I need, <laughs> I need to just grow. I need to be able to be comfortable up on the stage and being seen. I need, okay. I'm just, I'm just telling you, this isn't going to go very well, but if that's what you want, okay. And so we'll do these growth exercises. And then all of a sudden they'll have a panic attack. And it's like, well, exactly. Because until you feel safe, you can't grow and be seen. It's not safe to be seen yet. Mm -hmm. 
you have to create a felt sense of safety and support. And then it's safe to be in the spotlight. And then it's safe to be seen because you've, you've created a different experience of your nervous system where now that is safe. And so it's just fascinating all of the stuff that we can do for the nervous system. We haven't even talked about the biology of the nervous system and the biology of trauma that plays into all of this. Um, but, but the, just, it's so amazing to see how we can actually tap into this neuroplasticity effect of the nervous system to literally recreate the experiences that our nervous system needs to rewire and be able to have a very different life moving forward. Yeah. I love that. I feel like it just builds that self-trust that you were speaking to in the beginning, because there's such a loss of trust when you move through trauma and those experiences. So it's like building that back and just putting like pieces of your soul back together or just compiling it so that you do feel that um, like in shamanic medicine, that varicocha that we open up um, to build that level of safety in that bubble, but really bringing it internally so that you're feeling it all the time, even when there's chaos going on around your world. So I love that. Mm-hmm. This is like part one of part yeah. 10, everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are, we are Amy's our new Amy best friend. Yeah. yeah, we want to hang out with Amy all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Amy, please tell, because uh, we're, we're getting near the end of the podcast today, and there will be more, as Sonny mentioned. Um, tell us a little bit more about the program and, and like, what does that look like? Who can join? Is it for practitioners? Is it for just the public? Um, yeah, please yeah, just tell so us anyone more. can work with you. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a program that I created and, and I, I call it a journey because it's a journey. And it's, uh, it was out of my work with clients and patients and they're coming to me. And of course they're coming to me because they have symptoms. They're overweight They're They've got brain fog. They've got fatigue. They've got some autoimmunity. So they're, they're coming to me for their health issues, right? I'm a medical physician. And what I'm seeing is that my work with them is, is limited and they're just not getting the results as quickly as I know that they could. And there's just so much other stuff that seems to be coming in the way where they're having a hard time following through on the recommendations that I'm giving. Uh, they're, they're getting disorganized. They're getting discouraged. They're going into self-shame because here we are talking about their weight. And then they just went and ate a whole tub of ice cream and they hate themselves now. And so now they don't even want to see me. So then they don't see me. And then it's two months later. It's like, all right, like this, this approach, this traditional approach is not working. So it was out of that out of those experiences that I'm like, all right, we need to be working on your nervous system to get it ready to do this work before we actually dive deep into the biology. Not that we're not going to start with some things now, but so much of this, like we're going to be able to work so much faster and better together when your nervous system has been able to do some of this work around creating safety, reestablishing some trust in yourself, reestablishing an inner locus of control rather than putting things on other people. And so I designed this journey to get ready for doing the biology work. And it became this prerequisite to, all right, great. You want to work with me? Awesome. Let's do this journey together. And in the meantime, sometimes we're doing lab tests and, and that way we'll have the results ready for when we're ready for that biology piece. But this is actually this, this is where we start. This is the first step. And you may not recognize this as biology work, but this is biology work. Like we are rewiring your nervous system to get it more time in parasympathetic so that everything that we're doing together, like you're actually here with me and not checking out and thinking about other things and not even actually hearing what I'm saying so many times. And so that's how it started. That's, that was the beginning of it. And then I went through an experience also where it was, um, a year ago, just over a year ago. And I had a very, very dear friend and mentor of mine. And he, um, the, the story was that he eventually ended up in a nursing home in order to, uh, rehabilitate and to be able to go back home after having had a, uh, a stroke and then a fall. Well, in the nursing home, of course, this was when COVID was, was ah, just coming through everything. And so he got sick with COVID and he was not doing well. And so I made the decision that I did not want him to die alone. 
And so I brought him into my home and uh, did, did my best to try to help him recover. All, definitely hoping that that would be the outcome. Um, but that was, that was not possible. He was too far, too far into the, the disease process by the time he got to me. And so here we are, and I had two, two weeks with him and his mind was still completely intact. His, his body was just so severely fatigued and it was this process. Talk about a journey, right? (laughs) This process of getting him ready to die. Mm -hmm. And it was, um, it was a moment where there, there was this, um, him, him passing over and losing consciousness, not that his heart had stopped yet, but he was, he was losing consciousness and he reached for my hand as that was happening and held it to, held it to his heart. And I'm standing there helping him make this transition and, and pass over and very thankful that in that moment, right? Like I'm being able to be his safe person and provide that, that, uh, be that policewoman or, or warrior goddess for him in order for him to feel safe with making that transition. But what struck me and kind of where my mind went uh, through that process. And then after he lost consciousness was just what a change there had been in me because of the work that I had done. And I never would have been able to go through that journey and that length of a journey, two weeks. It's not like the news of someone died, right? And then dealing with that, it's okay. I'm spending, I'm spending the last two weeks of your life with you. And we're going to get through this together. And I'm going to, I'm going to be there every minute of you. And I'm not going to guard my heart. I'm not, I'm not going to pull back and, and I'm not also going to let myself lose myself and fall off of that cliff emotionally and into overwhelm. And just realizing that I had been able to do so much work on my nervous system that I was able to give him that gift. I'm like this, like this is, this is so needed for our time, right? Like people are in so much pain. They're having to deal with so much loss and change and then add the pandemic to all of that. Like people need these skills to be able to be more present in their own life for themselves, but also for the people they love. I've got to make this into a journey that people can learn how to, how to start this work for themselves. And so that was how the 21 day journey started. So, uh, it's, it walks people through this essential sequence of safety. We have to establish safety first. And how do you do that for yourself? Support, right? No matter what our gaps were in our early life, how do we fill in those gaps now and create a different felt experience for our nervous system in such a way that it's going to result in lasting change for our nervous system. We can't stay on the yoga mat all day. We can't stay on the meditation pillow all day. We got to live life. And so how do we do this work? What is the work that needs to be done to have it stick? And this is the sequence and then being able to move into expansion and growth and the creativity and the aliveness and actually being present. But so many people, I know that you guys see this, right? So many people, and, and this was me, right? Like so many people, we live disconnected. Mm-hmm. We, we live an element of guarding or, or shutting off some part of us that we don't want, we don't want to see, or we don't want the world to see, or maybe, maybe we uh, were very tender and had a lot of, a lot of uh, tenderness that was maybe made fun of or ridiculed or hurt. And so we've made a vow to never be tender before. And is that really how we want to live the rest of our life? Um, I made a decision that no, that was not how I wanted to live my life. And I wanted to have an open heart. I wanted to be able to have open hands and not have to try to control my life. And, and, and yet how do we do that and be, and, and be healthy and be alive and be present. And it comes down to this work with our nervous system and actually rewiring these patterns that, that, that helped us at the time it helped us survive and now we just no longer need it. And, and it's actually what's holding us back. So let's, let's do the work. Let's do yeah. the work. Yeah. It's such a beautiful story. And I think the big thing out of that is it's such a gift to yourself and then becomes a gift to the world. And it's, 
it's what we leave behind then, right? It's like, it's the legacy that you get to leave behind. And that's really one of our last questions for you too. And it, I feel like you've kind of answered that with your story. And um, if it was your last day tomorrow, what is the imprint that you would like to leave in this world? Yeah. I, I most want to um, make a difference for people who are hurting and in pain. And there's just so many different expressions of that, right? Like I think of my uh, camps that I used to run for families and I'm going to be starting those up later again this year, but being able to see that reconnection between a mom and her child where uh, she hasn't felt that they loved her or haven't appreciated her or whatever it is, but just that repair of relationships. And I think that that's really what it is, right? Like um, it's not, it's not just the rewiring of the nervous system to rewire the nervous system, right? Like, <laughs> yes, you know, I've, I'm, I've got a strong science background and I've, you know, geek out over biochemistry, but like, that's not the point. The point isn't to be like, Ooh, the nervous system, let me rewire the nervous system. <laughs> it's, it's the repair of what's been broken. It's the repair of relationships, the repair of our relationship with ourself that's been broken the most. And when we've had that broken relationship with ourself, we only have a part of ourself to share with others in the world. And so we, we walk around a bit handicapped and, and only sharing a part of us. And so being able to repair that, uh, with ourselves so that we are safe, we do feel safe to share the whole of us, the whole of us, um, with the world. Thank you. My goodness. You are just a bright beautiful light on this planet and we're so grateful to be able to have this conversation and share your wisdom uh, i mean you started we started the conversation with how uh, a life was brought into your life you know a person uh, this incredible being and then you talked of this total evolution that you went through and how you practice how you help people and you're able to help transition someone out into to the world beyond whatever that may be we uh, to be continued so I mean, this part one of, of many to come, <laughs> uh, just lastly, where can people find you, follow you? Uh, I know you're on Instagram, you've got incredible content on there as well. Uh, people are going to want more of you after they hear this episode as well. Well, thank you. Thank you for all that. And, uh, we are new best friends. So, so we'll be, we'll be <laughs> hanging out a lot. Uh, they can find me through a very variety of ways. So they can find me, um, through the summit so they can search for biology of trauma. That summit is coming out August 8 to 14. Some, some very powerful speakers come in for that. Going to go beyond the diagnoses. They can also just look at our website, which is Trauma Healing Accelerated. And they can probably just search for me, which uh, is Dr. Amy, and I spell my name A-I-M-I-E. And so for all of those means, I'm sure that they can find me. Thank you so much. Thank More you. to come, everybody. Check her stuff out, check out the summit. There's so much more that uh, this incredible conversation has to offer as you dive in deeper. So thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Health Ignited podcast. Be sure to download, subscribe, and share as we build this conscious community together. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, drsjensen.com. Please note all information on this podcast is not and should not be taken as medical advice. Please see a healthcare professional to receive the care needed. Thank you for sharing this time with us, igniting your health freedom. And welcome to the tribe.